Hey, my friend, welcome along to the Medicinal Chef's Nutrition Nuggets podcast, helping you get clarity on nutrition. I'm Dale Pinnock, the Medicinal Chef, Sunday Times bestselling author, nutritionist, and creator of the Culinary Medicine College. Every week here in the podcast, I'm going to be discussing key topics around the field of nutrition and answering your questions to help give you clarity and expand your knowledge. Well, hello there. How the devil are you? Happy New Year. Yes, it's not too late to still say Happy New Year, is it? Yeah, who cares? Who cares? Happy New Year to you guys. 2020, we've made it in one piece. Time to smash the living daylights out of it. I feel really good about this year. I've been really, really kind of looking forward to it. I think there's something very, very symbolic about the change of a decade and, you know, that, that whole kind of vibe about around growth and moving forward and all of that kind of jazz. But that's not what this is all about. Welcome along to the first podcast of 2020. You would have seen that um, the end of last year, I just had a rest from everything. So I kind of disappeared from podcasting and from all the other bits just to give my brain a rest and just to kind of get back in the zone. But here I am. Here we go. First podcast for 2020, and it's on something that I have been asked about so many times, something that comes up over and over and over again in different discussions or on social media or through email. So I thought, finally, let's have a little chat about it. It is diet and hypothyroidism. Obviously, there's there's two, two main issues that go wrong with the thyroid. There's hyperthyroidism, where the thyroid is overactive, but the most common one and the one that tends to be the biggest plague for people is hypothyroidism, where the thyroid is actually underactive. It's not operating to its maximum capacity at all. So we're going to have a little chat about that. So 90% of primary hypothyroidism, which is um, primary hyperthyroidism being when not enough of the thyroid hormones are actually being released. Because what happens, like how the the thyroid gets activated, uh, TSH, thyroid stimulating hormone, is released from the pituitary gland. This then talks to the thyroid and tells it to pump out the thyroid hormones. Primary hypothyroidism is where the TSH is still being released. The TSH is being released from the pituitary gland, but for whatever reason, the thyroid isn't able to kick out enough of its hormones. That's primary hypothyroidism. And 90% of these cases globally are caused by something called Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is an autoimmune condition. An autoimmune condition basically means where the body's own immune system, for whatever reason, has become primed to attack the body's own tissue. Now, there are many, many, many autoimmune conditions from rheumatoid arthritis through to some of the inflammatory bowel diseases, lupus. There's there's a lot of them. It's the same response, essentially. It's just the, the, the immune system has become primed to attack different types of tissue. It's actually created antibodies to that specific tissue for whatever reason. I mean, there's lots of discussion around gut barrier function and all of these kind of things that may be instigating factors, but let's underline the word may here, okay? It's, it, there's a lot of factors at play. But 90% of primary hyperthyroidism is related to Hashimoto's thyroid, thyroiditis. In other cases, a very, very small amount are related to iodine deficiency. 
some cases are related to genetics, and then other cases are, of course, related to medications, normal prescription medications. Secondary hypothyroidism, on the other hand, I mean, this is much, much rarer, but this is when there's not enough TSH being released from the pituitary. The pituitary gland is not producing enough TSH. So the TSH can't actually get to the thyroid gland and tell it to secrete its hormones. Okay, so so those those are the the, the two main types. The most common, as we said, is um, is the primary, and the most common trigger of primary hypothyroidism is Hashimoto's. So, what do we actually do about it from a dietary point of view? Well, before we get into the diet, I want to talk about like other lifestyle factors. Basically, the, the main things that you will start to see going wrong when the thyroid is underperforming is impaired metabolic health. And this is metabolic health right across the board. So, yes, people do find like the basal metabolic rate goes down. They do find that they're putting on a little bit of weight. They're finding that the weight is harder to shift. They're finding themselves feeling exhausted and sluggish and tired. Also, if they have a lipid panel done, it's very likely that there'll be raised triglycerides. Cholesterol ratios will be shot. They will be in um, a more negative kind of ratio, meaning that there's more LDL, less HDL. It's it's basically a, a whole array of metabolic chaos that ensues. So what can we actually do? Well, one of the first things that we can do is a very, very simple lifestyle change, and that is exercise. Now, this may sound totally counterintuitive. If you're feeling completely and utterly exhausted, if you're really, really struggling to get through the day, it may be the last thing in the world that you want to do is some exercise. But really, really, it is worth doing, particularly resistance exercise. So lifting weights, doing body work, uh, body weight work like push-ups or pull-ups whatever you're able to do do whatever you're able to do whatever you're able to do just get some resistance work in because if you can start to build some more lean muscle mass because there's more of that lean tissue your basal metabolic rate will go up and this is regardless of what the thyroid's doing because you have more metabolically active lean tissue your metabolic rate is going to go up. And also, high-intensity interval training can be beneficial because that can raise your basal metabolic rate for 8, 12, 16 hours. So those two things are non-dietary interventions that, that kind of come under the lifestyle medicine bracket. So, right, let's get up into the nitty-gritty, the diet. What can we do from a dietary point of view? Well, in terms of the big dietary pattern, it's not a million miles away from the kind of diet that I'm often recommended to people. So we're we're having that big focus upon whole foods. We're ensuring that we're having very, very low glycemic carbohydrates and we're not having too much of the refined carbohydrates. But one of the things that we do need to look at is increasing our intake of protein. And with every single meal, there should be a good protein source. I mean, this is, you know, if, if you've listened to a lot of my work over the years and read my stuff, you'll know that this way of eating has so many positive effects on metabolic health right across the board, lowering lowering overall carbohydrate intake, increasing the protein and fat content 
not considerably, but you know, up in them slightly beyond where they would normally be. Definitely worth putting into practice here, but slightly more protein than normal. So with every single meal, I want you to have a source of protein if you know if if thyroid issues are something that you're concerned about. So something like some eggs for breakfast, something like a chicken breast or a fillet of fish with lunch and dinner and then the remainder being plenty of non-starchy vegetables any carbs you have things like brown rice pulses those kinds of things the reason being is that increased protein intake one on its own can raise metabolic rate because it has what we call a thermic effect it is um a thermogenic food basically it raises body temperature as we're breaking it down and metabolizing it and digesting it it can raise body temperature so you're burning a few more calories it's raising your metabolic rate in that sense but also if you're doing this resistant resistance exercise as well the additional protein will help you to develop more lean muscle mass the more lean muscle mass you have the more your basal metabolic rate will increase so number one increase your protein a good protein source with every single meal the next thing iodine rich foods now iodine deficiency can affect up to one third of the global population one third of the global population it is less common in countries like the u.s for example that habitually will iodize their salt but in the uk we don't iodize our salt you can purchase iodized salt but it's not like um something that's done right across the board you have to specifically go out and buy iodized salt to actually get that particular variety whereas in a lot of the us a lot of the stuff that's straight off the shelf um will be iodized at source anyway so increasing your intake of iodine now I would only re- I wouldn't I wouldn't consider supplementation unless you've really been working one to one with a practitioner a practitioner. This is one of those things that I would just look at food sources and don't go anywhere beyond where the the, the levels that you would get in those kinds of foods. So the foods that I'm talking about are eggs, oily fish, shellfish, and seaweed and if you really want to to do so you could get some iodized salt as well you can get that get that in most supermarkets actually uh, it'll be quite clearly labeled that it's iodized salt this increased iodine just helps to regulate the overall thyroid function it actually helps the gland to function properly so just getting it from a dietary point of view. If you if you have a diagnosed iodine deficiency or you really come to the conclusion with a clinical practitioner that very, very low iodine is the source of all your woes, then yes, absolutely, you can look at a supplement. But there is so much potential to actually cause harm with supplementation if you don't need it that I would say just opt for the food sources until you know otherwise, okay? Next thing to talk about is the trace element selenium. Now, this is obviously well known as something that increases our body's antioxidant enzyme production. Uh, It's good for kind of cellular housekeeping and protecting our, our DNA from oxidative damage, but it also helps to activate thyroid hormones so they can do their job. So it helps those hormones to get into their active state so that they can get out there, deliver 
the effects that they actually need to deliver. So it basically just makes sure that any hormones that are being released are working as well as they possibly can. Okay, so they're just ensuring that the thyroid hormones are doing what they're supposed to be doing. You can find selenium in shellfish again. So already, like you can see, shellfish is going to play a prominent part here. It's a great source of iodine, but it's also a fantastic source of selenium, specifically prawns and scallops. Those two are incredibly rich, as are oily fish as well. Nuts and seeds, Brazil nuts, walnuts, pumpkin seeds, sunflower seeds, very, very good sources too. And then we come on to the mineral zinc. Now, several reasons. I mean, zinc is a really, really good mineral for supporting the overall health of the immune system. You've heard me talk about it many times before where I've said that zinc is actually used by the white blood cells to manufacture genes that these white cells then use to regulate the way in which they respond to pathogens. It has a bit of a regulatory effect on the immune system. So there may, and let's under, again underline the word may, be some benefit there. But the main reason that we're taking um, zinc in this case is, again, down to the effects on the hormones. So similar to selenium, zinc does have... Uh, the ability to help activate thyroid hormones, so get them into their active state so they can deliver their job to the, their maximal potential. But most importantly, zinc helps to regulate TSH levels, thyroid-stimulating hormones. So if the thyroid isn't being particularly responsive, you can get an upregulation in TSH, and zinc will help that to occur. So help to ensure that the right levels of TSH are being released from the pituitary gland. And again, we're, we're looking at the same kind of sources. We're, pumpkin seeds, very, very rich in zinc. Walnuts, very, very rich in zinc. Red meats, if you choose to eat them. And then also shellfish, prawns and, and scallops and squid, absolutely packed with the stuff. So those are the key nutrients and key kind of things that you need to think about, need to um, concern yourself with. It's not overly complex. It is just a lot of trial and error and time. But if you combine those things, those um, those key nutrients and those key dietary changes with the resistance exercise, you will start to get improvements in metabolic health. You may not necessarily improve the health of the thyroid. And this is one of the things that I really need to emphasize here. You may not necessarily turn around these thyroid issues. You may not stop the Hashimoto's or any of those kind of things. But what you can do is actually buffer some of the metabolic side effects that are arising from that underactive thyroid. So you're actually, you know, so as the fire gets bigger, you're putting more water on it, so to speak. So you're managing it. You're, key, you're, you're fighting back with uh, an equal force by actually improving metabolic health from these specific techniques. One more thing to talk about, which always kind of comes into conversation, and that is goitrogens. Now, a goiter, that's when you get the, the growth on the thyroid, which affects um, thyroid function. There are certain foods that have been labeled goitrogens, certain soy foods, cruciferous vegetables like kale and, and things like that. So many times, so many times to the point where, honestly, I just want to bang my head against the wall. There's so much black and white 
conclusion jumping in the nutrition world, particularly in the in in the the realm of social media, which drives me nuts on a daily basis. It's like you'll post a, I'll post a, a recipe for some kind of kale dish, and there will there will be at least two or three super angry people jumping in and saying, oh, "Well, that's no good because kale's a goitrogen." That's it. Do you know what I mean, eat a kale salad and your thyroid's going to fall out. Come on, get a grip. It isn't that much of an issue now. Goitrogens are only an issue for people that have a genetic susceptibility and for people that are actually in the full throes of a goiter. So if you've got a goiter, then they can exacerbate it. But if you, you know, if there isn't any kind of family history of goiter, if you haven't been diagnosed with goiter, then do not worry about them. These are incredibly healthy foods that you do not want to be cutting out of your diet. Why on earth would you want to cut green vegetables out of your diet? Why would you do that? So unless, you know, specifically there is a family history or you actually have a goiter developing, then do not worry about them whatsoever. So there we go. We're back. We're back in the room. We're back podcasting, um, back every single week. Don't forget, if you want to send me a question here in the podcast, then just drop me a line, dale at themedicinalchef.co.uk couple of announcements before I go. For the month of January, if you've been umming and ahhing about my my diploma course, my diploma in culinary medicine, I mean, we have got students from all over the globe now. It is a wonderful, wonderful thing. I am running an offer. So the course full price is £750. Now, still, that is the best value course in the industry. All of the other, all of the other diploma courses, they are in the thousands and they're not even at the same level. They've not got the same um staff teaching on it they've not got the same accreditation and they're about five times the price i don't see why there's no reason that i need to charge silly amounts of money i'm i'm offering it for 500 pounds for the month of january it's that time when everyone's starting to think about changes about new careers about new directions so what better incentive to actually take that leap than to save 250 quid so if you just head over to my over to my um, social media, head over to Instagram, you will see a link to that offer. So Instagram, it's just at The Medicinal Chef. Go over to that page, you'll see a link to that offer. And also, my new book is now out. I don't know whether any of you guys have pre-ordered it yet, but it's called Fakeaways. Get yourself over to Amazon and get yourself a copy of Fakeaways. Now, the whole concept of this is... You know, I was talking about it on this morning, last week. For many people, trying to completely change everything overnight and just reinvent yourself at the drop of a hat is very, very difficult to do. There's not many people that can sufficiently make that kind of change and make it stick, you know, just changing everything overnight. It's all about changing habits and changing patterns over time which leads to long-term lifestyle change. And one of the best ways to do that is to give your favorite foods a facelift. And that's the whole thing with fakeaways. It's looking at all the the, the the takeaway favorites. You know, we are a nation of takeaway lovers. God, I love a takeaway as well, absolutely. Just not every day. And showing you how to actually recreate them at home in a healthy way. So you can carry on eating the food that you love and you can benefit your health at the same time by making a few simple swaps. We've got tikka masala. We've got um, we've got katsu curry. We've got burgers. We've got could be fried chicken. 
See what I did there? We've got all of, all of those kinds of things. How you can recreate this stuff at home. So it tastes amazing. You're getting the same calorie experience, but you're making the right kind of changes to actually support your health. So get yourself over to Amazon or your local bookstore, Fakeaways. It's out now. So my friends, until next week, see you later.